Welcome to A Different Way of Traveling. This is a podcast where we discuss travel for persons with disabilities and special needs in South Africa and beyond with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. Hi there, and welcome to today's episode of A Different Way of Traveling, a podcast on accessible travel. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. In the last episode, we chatted to traveler Taryn Tomlinson about her trip up Mount Kilimanjaro in her wheelchair. Today, Taryn is back, but this time we're talking about the work that she's doing in the travel and hospitality industries. I really hope you enjoy the episode. And if you do enjoy it, please subscribe to the podcast to make certain that you don't miss out on any of our episodes. Right, let's dive into the conversation with Taryn Tomlinson. On a different way of traveling, we're chatting again to Taryn Tomlinson. She joined us in a previous episode to talk about her trip up Mount Kilimanjaro in her wheelchair. And today we're talking to her about a different aspect of the work she does working within the tourism and hospitality industries. Hi there, Taryn. How are you today? Good morning, Lois. I'm good. Thank you. The sun is shining and my mood's up. <laughs> That's great to know. And just for, for um, a bit of give, give a bit of context, we're recording early on a Monday morning. So the fact we're both in such a good mood has to say something. Darren, even though you have been on a previous episode where we chatted to you, it's possible that people haven't yet listened to that episode. So can we just start off by asking you to introduce yourself to the audience and just tell us a little bit of your story? Absolutely. Um, so firstly, once again, thank you so much for having me and for your listeners uh, who tune into your to your show. Uh, great gives me great pleasure to be able to share the work um, that I do. So, uh, as you mentioned, my name is Taryn Tomlinson, and I work over a number of, of industries. I'm a writer for Mango Airlines on accessibility. Um, I am then also an accessibility consultant within the hospitality and tourism industry. And then I also have a nonprofit organization in which we help underprivileged kids with music and art therapy uh, based in Cape Town. And uh, my foundation has been running since 2010. So it's uh, our 10 year anniversary this year. Um, yes, and uh, you know, I'm one of those people like you as well that we, we keep ourselves busy with a million different projects. Uh, but it all has a good cause uh, attached to it. And, you know, I've worked very closely with people about creating a better society for, for all of us. What I loved most about your previous um, interview that we, we did with you was just your absolute enthusiasm for life and your curiosity about the world. 
And I think it came through so strongly. But I think we're looking at a slightly more serious side of the work that you do today. So maybe we can dive straight into that and ask, just can you tell us a little bit about the work that you do in the hospitality and tourism industries and your work in accessible travel? Absolutely. So I had the great privilege um, from the years 2008 to 2010 uh, to be able to travel to and live in Italy uh, for, for two years. And when I lived there, I had uh, the opportunity to actually live in a hotel, um, which was thanks to the, to the owners who uh, they were my host. And they also had friends within the, the hotel industry. And so when I would go to their hotels, you know, I, I, you know, I did a lot of hotel hopping there. And one of the things that, that you get to experience when you live in a hotel is that you get to see how it's run. You know, you're no, no longer just a visitor um, and experiencing it from the, from the guest perspective. You, you see how, you know, you, you, you see how they run things. You see how staff's attitude towards certain changes from management comes about. And uh, living there, I also got to be able to see from accessibility point of view, because once again, I, I probably never mentioned this before to your, to your listeners, but I uh, do, I'm a wheelchair user uh, due to rheumatoid arthritis from the age of when I was about 19 years old. And uh, so when I was living in Italy, I was a wheelchair user. And, uh, you know, living in the hotel, as I said, gave me the perspective to be able to look from a European standard uh, you know, what is it that they have in terms of accessibility and in terms of programs and stuff that are that is available for tourists and for, for, for locals alike? Um, and when coming back to South Africa, I also, you know, because I was living with back with my family at that, at that time, and when I would have friends coming over from overseas or even just Johannesburg, we tend to book into a hotel together and spend some time there, which also gave me a lot of insight into the way that hotels are run in Cape Town and the services that we provide here and, and lack thereof. And what I started to notice is that firstly, I would socialize in hotels as well, simply because they mostly have accessible features. You would have hotels as they are geared for foreigners um, who would have accessible bathrooms uh, and, and you know, all of the other uh, accommodations uh, that someone with a disability would, would need. Now, not all, some of the accommodations, some of the basic, and I'm speaking obviously from my point of needs as someone with a physical disability in terms of not being able to, to use uh, my legs. Um, and it just struck to me that although there was a lot of things that's in place, I almost feel that the construction wasn't thought through properly. Like you would go into an accessible bathroom where, um, you know, the, the, the mirror is at the height of someone that's standing and not someone that's sitting or the, the circular space within the cubicle itself, it's not great enough. Or, you know, um, it, the seat is far too low for someone to transfer or even in the hotel rooms, for example, the beds, that's far too high for someone who's in a wheelchair to transfer to someone to, to a bed that's higher. And so I started to notice that by and large, these things were being designed, not really with the end user in mind or with the end user in mind with the thought that they will always have assistance. 
So I'm a solo traveler. You know, I like doing things on my own and I like to have that independence of when I'm, when I'm in a room, I can com be completely free within that room without having to rely on calling staff members to grab something for me or not. And uh, it was then that my passion really started to be able to say, well, you know, what can I do to make a difference within the hospitality industry to start making those little changes and to add some other things as well um, that would make a place more accessible for people with disabilities. So then the, the question is, how did you start? So I've uh, formed a company called Livable. And, uh, you know, I basically went there brave-faced and went to the first hotel, uh, you know, and uh, I knew, uh, actually uh, had the privilege of meeting someone who was a hotel owner. Uh, and I said to him, look, this is what I would like to do. And I would like to come to your hotel and, uh, you know, see what it is that we can do. And he was very open um, in doing it. He actually became a very good friend of mine. So I still have a working relationship with that, with that hotel. Uh, which is the President Hotel in Bantry Bay. And uh, what I did was then to go and, you know, study as, as, as much as I could um, with regards to accessibility and with regards to the SANS building regulations, as well as the American Disability Association. And they've got, you know, uh, lots of information regarding uh, the proper... Um, accommodations for people with disabilities and then just trying to you know um, see in different places and, and kind of pull together my own information and resources um, with a clipboard and, and and then I had the opportunity to work with the president I then also uh, had the opportunity to work with the Radisson Red Hotel um, as well as um, the Peninsula uh, Hotel as well and so it's, yes, and, and, you know, I just, you know, oftentimes we wait before we want to, you know, tackle something. We wait because we think, no, I have to go and get, you know, this degree or I have to do this first and that first. And then time passes and your, your energy wanes. And, and, you know, I'm someone that likes to take the bull by the horns when it's there and just go for it and, and kind of think, you know, I'll learn as I go along. I'll consult with people. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and that's how I, 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 I went along. So the company is called Livable. Now, not only do I consult with the hotel regarding accessibility, I also consult with regards to reasonable accommodation for their staff so that they can actually hire staff with the disabilities as well. So for me, looking at the industry, it's not just about seeing it one side. It's about seeing how do we include people with disabilities in the full spectrum of the hospitality industry, from the back back end um, staffing uh, to your front end uh, dealing with your clients. And so one of the services that I also offer the hotel, I actually offer them three services, and that is the first one is to look into the accessibility and from the guest um, experience point of view. The second one is to help them with reasonable accommodation and accessibility, teaching them, you know, about all of this stuff so that they can actually hire people and fulfill that quota that they need to. Um, and then thirdly is also to offer them marketing advice 
on how to market for people with disabilities, but also how to include people with disabilities in their marketing communication. Uh, because that I also found extremely lacking that when, uh, you know, tourism and, and you know, hotels are being depicted, it's, it's generally you see the happy, able-bodied person, you know, lounging at the pool and, and you never see any depictions of people who are different. And so it was also to look into that. How do we tackle this in a holistic way? Hence why I've got the company Livable, which deals with more the, the hospitality, the, the hotel structure, um, working with, you know, engineers and, and designers and architects and, and hotels uh, to see how we can better that structurally. But then also the fun aspect of changing people's perception around disability is the arm of the company called Able to Travel. And it's with Able to Travel that I go into more around mainstreaming disability within the hospitality industry. So it sounds like you pack a number of different services all into one package. Yes, yes, and they can choose. <laughs> I like to give people options. Always good to do that. Okay, so I, I'm very curious, I, and I'm, I mean, there are several different avenues that I could go down because I, like yourself, I have lots of different wide-ranging interests around the disability sector and inclusion and that sort of thing. But I want to try and focus specifically on the the one aspect of the work you do, the guest experience and how the hospitality industry can be made more aware of the needs of people who are differently abled and how to accommodate us. How do you then, when you go into a hotel and with your clipboard and assess their accessibility, <laughs> how do you accommodate such broad-based needs in order mm-hmm. to give them advice and in that assessment? Absolutely. And, you know, that is, that is a constant struggle that, that, uh, that we are faced with um, within, this, within this industry. It's because, you know, at, at this point and in time, you know, how do we, how do we make sure or, or, or cater that a hotel, you know, completely changes and, 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 you know, makes it accessible for everybody? And truly everybody in that in that sense. And then we have to think about people with uh, uh, intellectual disabilities. You, you look at people with other physical um, impairments such as yourself and hearing uh, impairments. And, you know, so there's, there's so many people that we have to uh, be able to cater to that already I find that very difficult because just to ask them to make small changes are quite difficult. And then- to ask them to go full out. And make big changes is even more so. But I make sure that within my accessibility, within the, you know, that I that I provide solutions with them. Um, for example, uh, you know, having um, alarm systems that are actually lights within a room. Um, you know that 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 beams red uh, as an emergency for people who have hearing impairments you know, to be able to use technology in different ways. That So I try and ease them into it 
but making sure that the basic broader needs of someone is there. So also I deal with light, for example, within passageways and that, so that people with visual impairments, you know, can actually see where they're going. Because a lot of time this ambient light, as you would know, is a, is, um, you know, it's a hindrance to someone. And uh, some of my ideas, they, they take up and some, and some not. Um, you know, especially the bigger hotel groups, I usually find that they have, uh, you know, the, the central head office, so to speak, it's, it's not even here. And so in order for them to implement changes, they'd have to implement it across the entire board of all of their hotels. And, uh, you know, people struggle with that. Um, and, you know, you get kind of pushed from one side to, to the other. And uh, <laughs> so I've started more with um, focusing on, as I said, simply within my sphere of influence, you know, who do I know and which hotels and that can I be influential in and, and really help and, and some. And so, and then within that scope of my understanding, try and consult with, and I know that I asked you the last time as well, if you wouldn't mind if I consult with you as well, just to uh, be able to get your input um, you know, from someone who is blind and, and what kind of services would you like when you're on holiday and, and what would make it special for you. So it's just trying to gather as much information as possible and then to be able to see, well, look, I won't be able to fit in the needs of everybody, not even for, for physically, not even for, for a wheelchair, because, I mean, some ramps are just so steep that there's nothing that they can do about it to, to make it, to make the gradient less. It's just simply the structure of the building and other than, you know, tearing the building down there's just certain certain changes that one can't make and so i think it's just also to confront it with a certain degree of realism to say that it's not that we won't get there one day it's just that we can't get there right now but we can work towards getting there one day that a place can be and that the society and world can be completely inclusive it sounds like you've got quite a pragmatic approach to encouraging a hotel to make the changes that can be made without breaking the bank and yet having yes. a, a significant impact that will be of assistance to their guests. Absolutely. And that will, you know, it's about starting small changes, incremental changes towards a more positive, um, you know, outlook and for, for, for both parties to say, look, we are committed to this. We have constraints as well. And especially now post COVID, it's going to be I mean, massive constraints within the hospitality industry. And so the fact that people are not going to be having money, you know, lying around to be able to make these changes that before was really hard for me to try and get them to, to make because they would always put budget um, costs and that is as part of the, the reasons for not doing it. Um, but one way in which I also feel, and this is where the livable, uh, with the, the able to travel brand comes so strongly as well. In the meantime, it's also about conscientizing people differently within the tourism industry. So as of last year, I've become brand ambassador for FEDHASA Cape and FEDHASA is the Federated Hospitality Association of South Africa. And uh, they are basically the lobbyist body and umbrella body for all tourism and hosp uh, hospitality, for the whole tourism and hospitality industry. And they make sure the government uh, does the necessary changes. You know, and we, we hold massive uh, conferences where all the heads of hotels would come. They'd say if there's an issue with water and then they would come around discuss and um, you know, what, what strategies are going to be put into place. And so I'm very um, blessed to know that I've, you know, I'm the first brand ambassador 
of Fedhasa, but also the first brand ambassador with a disability who was taking care of specifically people's uh, interests within uh, for, for campaigning for and more accessible tourism. Um, and then also I've been asked, which was supposed to happen this year, but because of COVID has been pushed out to next year, to speak at the World uh, Travel Market Africa. Um, and I will be on the stage speaking uh, as one of the big ideas speaker on accessibility and making a case for why hospitality or the hotel industry, when they put um, cost as a reason for them, you know, not to accommodate that uh, they are actually being very short-sighted. Maybe we should shift into that space and start talking about the willingness of the hospitality and tourism industries to accommodate our needs. Because I think Mm -hmm. so often there is a misconception on the part of the industry that accommodating our needs is going to be extremely expensive and it need not be. But just having made that point, how willing do you find those in the hospitality industry to work with an organization like yours to consider Mm -hmm. how to make their their services more accessible? Mm -hmm. I must say, I mean, they're all happy for me to work for free to come and assess the place. Okay, that's a fair comment. How how willing are they to pay for services? <laughs> because it is an investment. Let, let's be quite honest. You know, I can say there are less, you know, that it's not as big a cost investment to make the changes. But even getting mm-hmm. through that first stage, the willingness to be willing to mm-hmm. invest mm-hmm. in the concept yeah. of accessible travel. Absolutely. Well, as I said, you know, some some people are just amazing. They've been really um, willing to work with, and I said, the Peninsula, the President Hotel um, as well, although even there with the President Hotel, even though I knew the owner, it was quite hard for me to get the, the, the management staff to take me seriously, you know, that keep pushing up meetings and, um, you know, sending this person from that team until I could actually finally speak to someone that was, you know, willing to to really take it seriously and actually had the authority to do it. So some places are straight off the bat amazing to work with. You know, they get it. They get it. But I think those are the the, the hotels that has um, customer centricity at the core of their business. And so making these changes for them is really, really important because this is the, the, the core of what their business ideology stands for. And then you get other institutions that really couldn't be bothered. I mean, I've already had, uh, you know, had uh, someone of a hotel say to me, you know, we'd love to have you at a hotel when you're traveling at, at this particular destination. Uh, and uh, I said, oh, well, you know, I can I can come. And no, 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 we're not interested in accessibility. Let's just be straightforward out of the bat. You know, you're more than welcome to come for, uh, you know, and we'll support you in other things for money. But um, we're out in an area where it's not accessible and we're not even, we don't even think about catering to people with disabilities. Um, but then again, you also look at organizations such as FEDHASA, the Federated Hospitality Association of South Africa, who have been wonderful in giving me that platform in order to communicate with people um, and really have a federated body on my side in order to, to campaign uh, for our rights. As well as I said, the world travel market, you know, um, who have actually contacted me to, to, to get me on because 
they think that that's a shift that needs to happen. So there are, there are, I would say that there are people that, there are three categories of people. They are the, the hotels or those, uh, the hotels that would say, yes, you're right. The change needs to be made. Where do we start? How do we start? This is what we are capable of giving. This is what we can't right now, but this is what we can budget in for next year. And this is what we can budget in for next year after. And then you have the other groups of people that say, oh, no, that's absolutely amazing. And that's a great uh, deal. And we really love, but, uh, you know, we don't have the money for it. And then you have another group of people who would simply say, no, sorry, not, not, not our interests, not budgets, not the market that we're looking for. And, and that would be the end of the conversation. So I'm trying to work with the first group. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's not easy. And there's some people that, like I said, are happy if you would come and consult for free. Um, but we don't want to do any uh, outlay. And for me, that's sad because hotels are given certain amounts of money every year lots of money, millions uh, from, you know, from their profits if they've made and that to change the design of their hotels and keep it, you know, change wall colors and pillows and stuff like that. And I'm thinking you have money to spend on aesthetics, but not money to spend on functionality when it comes to welcoming a group of people into your establishment. So, yeah. I think one of the, the things that I find sad but I, I think it, it, it is something that does occur to me is just understanding that a simple change that can help someone like ourselves who have specific needs because of a disability mm-hmm. can also help other sectors of the population who are not disabled maybe those who are a little bit elderly who aren't quite as um, able to walk as far or climb steps as easily or, you know, that there's a number of different other sectors beyond those of us with disabilities who would also benefit from a lot of those changes that are being made. But maybe we need to find a way of teaching the industry that disability is not separate, that it also benefits others beyond our specific sector. Absolutely. And this is also what I bring uh, across in my talks when I'm talking, uh, you know, on behalf of the accessible industry, it's that these changes are the, once they are implemented, they serve, as you said, a larger uh, portion of the population. We're looking at parents with prams, you know, that need ramps. Uh, to push the prams up. They need bigger bathing uh, rooms for, for babies. You have the elderly. And if we are lucky, we are all going to get old um, and need those services as our um, functions become impaired. And, uh, you know, you also have people with temporary disabilities yeah. broke their leg in a car accident but still need to get to work um, or get to the bank, whatever the case may be. And so, as I said before, you know, and what you so rightfully said, now it's about helping them to expand their perspective um, and to not be that, um, 
I don't want to say narrow-minded. I just want to say so focused on thinking that these changes are only about serving a, a, a small group of people. Small, right. A small group of people who, depending on what figures you look at, could be anything up to 30% of our world's population. Ex- exactly. Exactly. And, you know, uh, in, in in the talk that I was having, I was um, for Fedhasa, on behalf of Fedhasa, it was actually that I brought apart that on average 50% of the world's population is living with some sort of disability, right? And people with disabilities have a global estimate estimated disposable income of 200 billion US dollars per annum. Okay, over the period of 2014 to 2015, Americans with disabilities spent 17.3 billion US dollars on travel with a total economic impact of 34.6 billion as people with disabilities seldom travel alone. So this was part of my bringing to the attention that essentially you have untapped revenue in a source um, that you are not tapping into because, well, basically because it's too narrow-sighted, you know? They're not understanding the bigger picture. Yes, (laughs) I suppose that's really all I can say. (laughs) But it it is true because... Part of that comes back to the social perception that people with disabilities do not travel. And just looking at those figures proves that it's not true. Absolutely. Absolutely. And not only do we not travel, but we also generally travel, generally travel with someone else. And so the total economic impact is much more than what the the actual, you know, economic outlay of the someone with disabilities. If we could just shift that awareness, mm-hmm. I think we would discover that there is a lot more of a business case and a greater mm-hmm. degree of buy-in from the hospitality industries. And I, I know I'm generalizing and making a sweeping statement there mm-hmm. because I do think that we're seeing a movement towards greater willingness to engage, to talk, and to make changes. So we keep hoping that that will continue to grow. Absolutely. We also look and, and, you know, part of the other study um, or case that I made towards it is that we can also look at baby boomers, right? So these are people born um, between the years uh, 1946 and 1964. Now, baby boomers make up 80% of the luxury travel market. And almost half of these baby boomers are over 60 years old, already have mobility impairments. Um, They're also driving the spending growth with 11 million more consumers over the age of 60 years by, by 2020, by this year, than there was in 2015. So you having these people who need these services as well, and they are actually the ones that are really driving the, the economy and the ones that are spending when they're going on luxury travel, and, and yet they too don't have the services that that is needed. So there, there's a big, there's a much bigger case for it than what people think. I know. I, I I would agree with you. I'm fascinated just listening to the the statistics that you're sharing, and thank you for putting those out into the interview as well, because I think people need to be aware of them. Yeah. I want to change direction slightly and ask you what you feel 
are the greatest challenges that travelers with different needs find when traveling in and to South Africa? For me, one of the greatest issues that we have is public transport. It's been able to invite people uh, who are differently abled and provide the services that is needed for them to get around and to see our country. Um, so public transport is definitely one of it. Um, I must say that we've also got to give a lot of credit that we do have a lot of facilities that are, um, you know, geared uh, to accommodate and to accept people, as I said, and some people have gone through great measures to try as much as they, as they can uh, to be able to, to make reasonable accommodations within their, their hotels and within their restaurants um, and Airbnbs. But I think for me, greatly where it needs to focus is transportation. Um, transportation within this country, really, not just for us, but for everybody. I mean, we only have one bus service, you know, dial-a-ride, uh, which infamously doesn't work, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's a run by the My City yeah, in Cape Town. But, I mean, I used to be a, a – I used to use the service, and you'd actually have to call them two weeks in advance to book. Uh, I think because and, you know, it's under-resourced, it is therefore – under yeah. well, it's overutilized because there are overutilized. not yeah. enough vehicles to serve the needs of the community that that have need of it. So yeah, it, it is Absolutely. one of those challenges that we have only um, one of those sort of para transport services. Absolutely, and I would say that the rest is simply educational. You know, people need to change their perspective of people with disabilities, because I often say, you know, in order for someone to feel um, welcomed into an instant, uh, into a place where they let's say, for example, a restaurant, even if they are not, you know, able to make reasonable accommodation or have, or have not been able, they've got steps or, or whatever, you know, um, it is the attitude of the people there that can make all of the difference. You know, I would gladly, and I, I go and frequent gladly places that have steps up to the front door because I know when I get there, the staff are running out, happy to see me. Uh, this one grabbed there, that one grabbed there. They've been trained to know how to lift the wheelchair because I've trained them. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, don't pick it up here, pick it up there. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and I'm sure you yourself, if you were struggling to get from one place to another, you went to a place and they were more than eager to help you and, uh, you know, direct you, that in itself makes a place accessible for me. Oh, yeah. The attitude of people that are running the place. You're so right. And, I mean, I, at the same time, I also know that I am far more eager to go to a restaurant that I know is doing what it can to accommodate other needs than just my visual impairment. And there are some yes. that I yes. particularly enjoy. The food is great. The service is great. And they've made a plan so that even though they have two stairs up to their front entrance, they have a back entrance through their garden. It's a terrace area that mm -hmm. is without steps. 
with a wide mm-hmm. opening door, which not only mm-hmm. serves as a beer garden in summer, but it can be used to allow a wheelchair entry into the restaurant without any problems. Yes. Their tables are set far enough apart that a wheelchair can move around yes. easily. Their restroom facilities have space. And I am very happy to support that restaurant because of the extra steps that they've gone to to make themselves Absolutely. more aware of the needs of others. Absolutely. So, yeah. Okay. So what thing do you say, and I, I know it's hard to you know, put on um, thoughts about what do you see happening in the future, but do you think there is a good chance that we will have a far more accessible hospitality and tourism industry as we move into the future in South Africa? You know, I had this discussion with a friend of mine not too long ago, and I, and you know, I must say for my part, quite pessimistically on a you know, set, I said, oh, you know, now there's, you know, I'm going to get the excuse even more that they don't have money now post COVID to make these changes that needs to make because the, the tourism industry has suffered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, immensely during this time. And uh, someone actually said to me, no, I actually think that, that now because they have to kind of reinvent themselves post COVID you actually have a stronger case for them to make those changes so that you can actually, that they can tap into a market that they never thought of before. Which on the one hand more makes places. sense, but it's still come down to, do they have the budget to do it? Or can they exactly. get the budget to do it at this stage? In order to do it. I must also say that there are a lot of organizations out there that, um, you know, do want to make those changes also from a funding point of view in order to get it up. I know that one of the things that people are lobbying for behind the scenes, people with disability, I know, um, is also that we, and one thing that I would love to see happen is that government gives the hospitality industry some type of rebate in order for them to put in the reasonable accommodations, the same way in which we did solar panels and Jojo tanks, uh, when we have that, there needs to be some sort of rebate from government uh, from a construction point of view to say that, you know, if you do this, we'll give you 50% off or somehow it comes off your tax or something like that. And I think that when these types of initiatives get properly in- implemented, then we would be able to see better and greater change. I, I can see that definitely as something that would be worth advocating for as we Mm -hmm. out of this um, period of COVID-19. Yeah, Yeah. and uh, there was also, sorry, just to quickly, uh, I was interviewed for for ETV uh, in in news and uh, just post-lockdown, and it was about my trip uh, to Kilimanjaro. And, uh, you know, the interviewer, she asked me how I feel now and being at home in the lockdown and how has it affected me? And I said, well, honestly, for people with disabilities, this is by and large our experience, lockdown, you know, uh, where we, we, we are shut off from economic opportunities, uh, transportation, you know, can't get in the car and, or, or bus or whatever to go and see a family member or friend. And many people with disabilities live predominantly in their homes yeah. because by and large they feel that the world is not accepting of them. For them, so I said. So, if anything, I think that able-bodied people now have a deeper, should have a deeper understanding 
of what it's like for someone with a disability who is who is restricted to be at home, not because they don't want to be economically viable, but simply because things are not, uh, you know, set out for them to be, and they cut off from it. Infrastructure doesn't support it, and societal norms. Oh, that is such a profound statement. It it kind of almost seems hard to now transition into a, a question which is taking us completely in a different direction. Because you mentioned another arm of your business, able to travel what can you tell us about able to travel that's correct so as i mentioned it before uh, the services that are offered to hotel one is very structural and, and it's about you know looking at design in a way that we can make universal design uh, common you know that should just be a commonplace to have universal design in our way of thinking as well. But the other part, as I said, it's about conscientizing people uh, with regards to disability and also about mainstreaming disability within the tourism industry. So the Able to Travel brand is a brand that has been created under Livable, which focuses specifically on the fun element and of mainstreaming disability. So for Mango Airlines, I write under Able to Travel. And then I've also got an able to travel Instagram uh, page and Facebook and all the different social media handles. Uh, but the reason that that is there is that I've developed a television concept uh, under the brand able to travel, which shows my life uh, as an accessibility consultant, traveling around South Africa, visiting our best love destinations. Um, and offerings and tourist offerings, but viewing it from the perspective of someone with a disability. Um, and so the show very much focuses. Now, as you have, have listened to the show, you, you told me that very much you can sense my personality coming through. The show is fun. It is luxury because I do work within the, the, the luxury space of things. Um, but I think more than anything, it blows up people's perception of what they think disability is because um, part of the show, when it's shot at the beginning, you can't really see that I'm in, you know, in the wheelchair. Um, there's just this uh, girl who's living this fabulous life and, uh, you know, happy and, uh, <laughs> you know, going on trips and safari and because it's about showing possibility. You know, the show is about showing possibility. It's not a hard struck look into what people aren't doing. It's about celebrating what is being done, what is available, and that people with disabilities, we don't have to fit into the box of the stereotypical sad, um, you know, uh, image that often gets portrayed of people with disabilities. And so the Able to Travel brand is that. It's fun, it's light, it's, it's, it's you know, witty, it's luxury, um, and I really wanted to, and, and for me specifically, as I work in that luxury space, I really wanted to push the boundaries on that, you know, because we don't often associate images of disability with luxury. Um, <laughs> and yet I often feel like a VIP because we have, we can park right in front of a hotel and people come in <laughs> I, I often, and don't have to wait in line. <laughs> I often find it amusing that people seldom know that one of the or that VIP is not just an acronym for very important person but also for visually impaired person 
<laughs> okay, so is the TV series in production? Where are you at in that process? I mean, can people see it? Yes. Yes, we've shot the pilot. Uh, the pilot is up on YouTube and it can be viewed uh, on YouTube. And now uh, it has taken a die down because not a die down, obviously during this COVID time, everything has been put uh, kind of on the back burner. But now it is um, going and just perfecting the pitch and looking now for, for, for sponsors uh, for, the, for the show. For the show in itself. When you shared the the trailer with me, I as mm-hmm. as you mentioned, I I absolutely loved that trailer. It's so got so much energy. It's just got <laughs> vibe. It's it's really an amazing trailer. And we will put the link to the trailer in the show notes, so others can have a quick dip in to see what Able to Travel is all about. Thank you so much. Yeah, we had great fun making it. I can imagine. It did look like you were having a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) Darren, if people want to reach out and contact you, find out more about your services, how can they do so? So they could contact me at firstly, as I said, um, any of the social social media platforms. Um, They could able to travel. So it's two with the numeral two able to travel blog um, that is on Facebook at able to travel blog. Uh, so they could just write in inbox me there at able to travel on Instagram that it, they could inbox me uh, there as well. And then um, because I'm having some problems with my website, they could email me at Taryn. So it's T A R R Y N Tom T O M or one Taryn Tom at gmail.com. Brilliant. Thank you for that. I suppose our final question is also one of those ones that has possibly a very long answer. If someone from overseas were to come to you and say, Taryn, I am wanting to come through and visit Cape Town or visit South Africa, what is the one piece of advice that you would give them to prepare for that trip, what should they do? I would definitely say that first they should do as much research as possible with regards to their specific disability and make sure that when they do call places that there is some type of either evidence via picture. So I often do that before I book into a hotel. I say, are you accessible? They say, yes. I say, could you please send me some pics of the room? <laughs> And of the entrance of the door, because what is accessible for me and for you is completely different things. Um, And uh, so I would say that, you know, the key point before uh, traveling to South Africa is just do your research. Um, You know, contact me as well. I'm I'm very happy to help people because obviously I've working with uh, different hotels and restaurants and that in and around Cape Town. I can say, look, um, for a particular impairment, this is a good place. That place is not so good you know, either because of noise or whatever the case may be. Um, and so really work along and also try to put that information on my um, Facebook pages as, you know, uh, which hotels I find have, have been great for whatever um, needs need to be met. Um, but really it's all about 
the research. And as I said, there are many places that are accessible and many things that we can do. I've even been on safari, you know, in the wheelchair where it just simply rides up the back of the van and stuff like that. So, I mean, there's, there's really is so much to do, but proper research is one because don't expect that people are going to be clued up as to what your specific needs are. Um, you know, I, I, I often have that in, in calling a, uh, hotel and they say no no we've got an accessible place and then when I get to the room it's like what were they thinking so this is also sorry just to go back this is also one of the parts that I stress and work with the hotels is about having adequate information on their websites already so that people can make informed decisions from the time that they book they take it to come to the hotel and I want pictures and proper descriptions and, you know, the ability to um, make the letters on the website bigger and, you know, make it completely accessible. Um, but I would say, yes, fact finding would be because there are amazing things to do. There's so much to do here, yeah? even paragliding. Um, I mean, I've been kayaking, um, but just find out all the proper information beforehand and speak to organizations that are with accessible tourism. Um, and read portals um, on accessible tourism within South Africa as well. They're, they're full with amount of amazing knowledge. I think that's really important information. So thank you for sharing that. Taryn, thank you once again for chatting to us on a different way of travel. I always find myself getting deeper and deeper into the subject of accessible travel when we chat. And I really want to just say thank you to you for sharing your insights, your thoughts and the work that you're doing within the accessible travel market. Thank you so much, Lois. And once again, thank you so much for having me. I love having these discussions. I think it, you know, it, uh, it makes the case for, for independent travel as much as possible and accessible travel so that we could truly, you know, live, work and play together. Well, that's our hope. I always enjoy chatting to Taryn Tomlinson. I enjoy the energy and the passion with which she approaches every aspect of her life and her work. In fact, when I was interviewing her, I kept being reminded of this travel quote by the Chinese philosopher Confucius, who said, wherever you go, go with all your heart. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of A Different Way of Traveling. From me, your host, stay well, and we will see you in the next episode. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa and on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za Editing by Crate Stratton using Hinderberg software. Our theme music is by Lu Chil Chow based on a motif by Lois Stratton. Credits read by Musa E. Zulu. Thank you for joining us on a different way of traveling. We'll see you next time. Until then, happy travels.